on maynard.com.au. AU! <laughs> All we're trying to do is bring society to its knees. If he's back and he's got an extra wheel, it's Tim Ferguson. And look, oh my God, is that Maynard? Yes, it is. It's Maynard. It's the incredibly spooky Bunga Bunga. Bunga, bunga, bunga. We don't say it three times because two is more than enough. Bunga, bunga. The show that says, hey, is that a stain on your shirt? A show that says, is that really a little dog? <laughs> bunga, bunga, 46 with the sound of the 431. But more of public transport later because Tim is going to solve public transports all over Australia. Bunga Bunga 46, you'll have this. We're going to tell you what's on our mind. What we really want to say is this. We'll be talking about that. Friendliness to strangers is not a crime until next year. And Tim, what will you be bringing up? I'll be bringing up the fact that we will not play the rest of this song. And every evening we get set. I smoke it every chance I get. It's my girl's pussy. For obvious reasons. Oh, you were right to bring that to the table. Yeah, there are some things that just do not rhyme. But first... Bunga Bunga News. Tim, what's been happening? It's in Australian politics. A budget came out and then a budget reply came out and then nobody noticed. In fact, nothing happens in Australia of any interest. The place where something really interesting is happening is Sweden. But we'll get on to that later in the show. Because the budget's based upon a projection of 2.5% wage growth, and it's pretty much stalled at 2.1, Tim. There you go. That made me sound knowledgeable for just a moment. Yes, one of the observations by Mr Morrison, the Treasurer, was that since Australia has cut penalty rates, employers can now afford to give people, wait for it, a pay rise. (laughs) Yeah. As your head explodes, as you're walking along or driving along or riding along or just lying there on your lilo in your swimming pool, you just have to think about that. Having taken the wages down... We now have the power to bring them back up. The guy's a genius. That's a version of trickle-down economics, correct? It's sort of trickle around. It's uh, like the lilo goes down, which means we can now blow it back up. Big props out to the Skepticrat podcast. They, of course, are the same people who do god-awful movies, and they mentioned our show, Tim. They mentioned our show. They mentioned Bunga Bunga. They managed to get Nazis and Bunga Bunga into the same sentence. Just have a listen. Here's Eli. We didn't realise it was a choice between Bunga Bunga and Nazis. <laughs> we choose Bunga Bunga. <laughs> wow. It's a good question. Uh, Bunga Bunga and Nazis do not go together. What about your cat, Kitler? Ah! Yeah, well, that's true. He's a star of Bunga Bunga, but he does not approve. Ah! The Fourth Reich is really only between Sky News and his dinner plate. It's a very small Reich. And, of course, if you want to see any drawings of your cat, are they available online at the moment to look at? No, they've been destroyed by Kitler. Kitler didn't like them. And, of course, he thinks of himself as quite a handy painter. I've been doing painting, but also, I've been turning around a film script in a short amount of time. Most people can't do that in a two-week period because they're wimps, because they care about the characters. I hate you! I hate you more! Here, screenwriters, take a tip from me. Stop 
basing your scripts on real events that happen to you because it makes it very hard to cut them. Always invent situations and characters that you know nothing about. How else will you learn about life? Makes it much easier to do what I had to do, which is cut a major character from the whole thing. If you want to turn a script around in a fortnight, don't screw around by basing it upon life experience. Let's face it, your life is so uninteresting, you ended up as a writer. Wow. I did a rewrite of Red Dog based it on a cat. <laughs> I couldn't get it to work. Basically, opens, cat in basket. That's it. Does the cat die at the end? It's asleep during the entire movie. It's only a short film. The cat does flinch a bit. Red cat. Mm. So you have to maintain emotional distance, you freaks. So when notes come in from your editor or producer, your little heart doesn't go jumping into your throat. When you have to cut a word here and there, you should be able to cut the whole thing holus bolus, chuck it in the bin and start again. Otherwise, get out of the pool. A shout out to a show that I've been involved with for a couple of years now, The Skeptic Zone. Richard Saunders, he's done 500 episodes of The Skeptic Zone. 500? You only have to say it. 500. Anyone out there, have you done 500 of anything and numbered it? Hmm? Have you? You've been on the show, you've told everybody what the cure for MS is, and they won't listen, do you, Tim? They won't listen. They won't really listen. I just tell them, straighten up and fly right. But, of course, MS people like me can't straighten up, and we certainly are not given pilot's licences. I was just wondering, is there a photo of William Shatner sitting in the pilot seat of a passenger jet ever? I'm just reckon in his entire career there would have been someone that went, oh, we've got Captain Kirk, come on, sit in the pilot seat. I wonder if anyone ever did that in the 70s or 80s. I bet you they did. That was when you could just waltz in, and if you're Will Shatner, you could still do that today, just walk and go, hey, I'm the Shat. Oh, Canada, our home. What are you doing? Oh, with what? You're speaking it. I'm singing. Is that how I sing? Just uh, like, oh... Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. That's no, no, it's good. That sounds, no, no, that's, no. Everett, you have a tour of the pilot's cabin back in the 90s when you were touring with the Dugs? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, invited several times into the cockpit to fly around. The pilots <laughs> would do things like say, where do you want to go? I said, turn left. And uh, they turn to the left and bring it back to the right. <laughs> and the passengers don't know. These guys are just farting around in the air all day. You were doing your real live performance of that scene from Flying High with the kid. Oh, yeah. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. It's time for, and we get a lot of this, crank mail. Do you get get the crank mail? No. Crank mail, crank mail, crank mail. The mail from cranks, and you know who you are. Hang on a minute, Tim, there seems to be some animal or something urinating there. You would think it's an animal and you think they're urinating, but it, in fact, it is the tears of Buddha. And he's weeping. He's weeping tears so fast. And he just realised he wasted all that money on a gym membership. Let's listen one more time to Guatemala Buddha weeping. Listen to the voice of Buddha. One of the issues that comes up this time of year, which could be a crank mail question, is people wearing active wear all the time, even if they're not on their way to or from the gym. How do you feel about this question, Tim? Because it gets a bit thorny this time of year. It certainly does. Active wear is very good to wear. In fact, there's a great song about active wear that did huge number of hits. Look it up. Active wear, active wear. Waiting for the bus in my active wear. Active wear, active wear. Buying active wear in my active wear. Active wear. 
Activewear. Being hungover in my activewear. Activewear. Activewear is always worth wearing, particularly when you're at home, eating junk food and watching TV. Thank you. How's things going here at the cafe today, the Madame Fru-Fru? It's going really good. We're busy today. Wow, she's always happy. Here at Madame Fru-Fru, Bunga Bunga is perfectly safe. There are two frus, there are two bungas. Crank mail! Grant McHeron writes to us as part of our crank mail that there is a Madame Fru-Fru cafe on Rathdown Street in Carlton. I haven't been anywhere near there. He wants to know, is it any relation to the one in Glebe? Is it a poor shadow, a stolen name, or a wormhole? He's gone for the Doctor Who thing here. A wormhole linkage between the two... Alternate realities. Rathdown Street in Carlton, you have spent a lot of time in Melbourne. Do you know the area? I, in fact, used to live right around the corner of Rathdown Street in Carlton. People who've been watching the Underbella series will know that the second series featured Rathdown Street quite strongly. What's probably happened is that Madame Fru, who has been stolen, it's been stolen by criminals and has been transplanted there. You'll find there are people who are addicted to the Fru by now. If anyone goes there, that's uh, Madame Fru-Fru in Rathdown Street, Carlton. Just take a photo. We want to know what's going on there. Yeah. What are the criminals drinking? What kind of banana bread are they eating? Do they use butter? And what are their evil plans? So has Carlton got the same issues as Northcote? Carlton has a more Italian criminal oh, kind of, course, of feel. Right, yeah. Not your Northcote hipster, deconstructed coffee criminal feel. With Ligon Street rents, Rathdown Street would have really high rents too, wouldn't it? Yeah, in fact, to live around there, you need to be in the criminal businesses. Nobody else can afford to live there. Could actually be a money laundering job, a lot of those places. Oh, I would certainly hope so. And how's your day going here at the Fru? It's very busy today. Crank mail! Eva James has written to us from rural Victoria. Eva James of the shiny Shepparton. Eva writes, what happened on the worst gig you stayed for at a show you went to see, even though you knew it would not be a great show and you stayed? Perhaps the worst slash best comic performance I've ever seen in my life was a guy called Fabulous Tony. Fabulous Tony at the Gilded Balloon in one of the smaller rooms very late at night in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Now Tony comes out, I think he was wearing a green suit and his material was, as far as the audience concerned, undercooked as far as I was concerned. I knew I was in the presence of greatness. Did he not quite have the punchlines right? Was his timing out? I blame the audience, man, and I blame the audience. He had material like the sing-along song. And he point the microphone and the audience would go wait for it. And the audience goes three and a half minutes of that. The song goes and then here it comes and then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like put these on I had to lie down I thought it was just the most hysterically funny performance because he would do it just so sincerely the audience thought they were expecting more I thought everything he did was great I went night after night after night I went and got his autograph and I was the first person to have gotten his autograph throughout the entire festival and I was genuinely in love with this act and it turns out that my instincts weren't wrong he ended up being in Morris Minor and the Majors I was rapping in my club the other night when nothing I said was coming out right the crowd got angry 
Tuck a can, tuck a can, tuck a, tuck a, tuck a, tuck a. Well, no one's ever seen what I mean. From the age of na 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 thirteen, we've all been caught in a mama mouth trap. So join with us and do the stir, 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 stir the rap. No sleep till bedtime. They were a big thing before they were a big thing. Fabulous Tony knew what he was doing. I could sense that even though the guys seemed to be behind the eight ball, that there may have been in his head a puppeteer who was controlling the whole thing. And I was right. Fabulous Tony, if you're hearing this podcast, you are still the funniest thing I've seen in Edinburgh. There's another guy called Trevor Feelgood who is of that calibre. Again, he's a comedian's comedian's comedian. Very hard to get a ticket, very hard to find out where he is, but if you can, go and see Trevor Feelgood. Unbelievable performer. Hello, I'm Trevor. I come from Kent, the most rock and roll place in the world. I'd love to maybe get into comedy because a lot of people have said to me they like laughing at me. I don't think it'll come as a surprise that I'm single. Ask for Puss in Boots. I won't tell you what the punchline is, but just say Puss in Boots with all the other fans. I mean, from the moment he walks in, it's Puss in Boots, like everybody wants it. That was just a little bit of It's Going to Be Fabulous by Tony Alderman from the album Preaching to the Inverted. It sounds very sincere, a bit Billy Bragg. And socialism is fairly cool. It's quite tasty, but not as tasty as this vegan soup. Fuck off. You're listening to Crank Mail here on Bunga Bunga 46. 46 shows. We're a long way from 500 that the Skeptic Zone's at. <laughs> yeah, but we're building up there. It's a slow build, people. And towards the end, we'll be knocking off these episodes just hour after hour after hour. And then the nurse will come in and say, and here's your nightcap. And that will be it. On that note of fixing the world permanently and for good, Grant McCarran also added the 431 bus that you hear in the background all the time and we'll probably whiz past in a moment. It's a regular on the shows, but he said the 901 in Melbourne often cancels or runs insanely late. Tim, what are you going to do to fix public transport in Melbourne? Public transport should be public. It should be free. The last time I caught a tram in Melbourne, all of a sudden it was hop, 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 and these people were rappelling down the walls they were grabbing customers throwing them on their backs and cuffing them bashing them around treating them like an ordinary police group might some ticket inspecting groups are like a paramilitary group from italy in the mid-40s yeah if you think how much it costs to take the tickets money off people compared to just letting people get on the public transport it is minuscule oh wow we raised a few million dollars from people who were just going to work where they will do jobs and then pay tax it should just be free and if people can't afford it then why should we charge them and the further out from the city that you live to get into the city it costs you more it's wall-to-wall bull. <coughs> Public transport should be absolutely free. It still won't arrive, but at least it won't cost you anything. We move to a question from Mark O'Brien, Tony Push. He wants to know why schools don't offer tuition in how to grift or pull out for scam or get away with a scam. Why don't schools teach that? It's a very good question, fellas. The thing is that the real learning is left for the back of the boat shed. 
behind the school while you're stealing a couple of minutes to have a cigarette. But you're quite right. It should be brought inside. How to pickpocket, for example. You got to pick a pocket or two. You got to pick a pocket or two. Boy. You never know when you're going to need that skill when you're down on your luck, lost in Europe. You got to pick a pocket or two. Andrew Norman writes, with the scandal with the Republicans getting upset about the stand-up comic at the White House press correspondence dinner, and did the Republicans have anything to be upset with? It's kind of a sad day for comedy when comedians are picked on for doing their job. Everyone thinks they're a target now. Is that part of it? But do you think everyone thinks that they're a target and they take things personally immediately? The funny thing is people will more often become offended on someone else's behalf. So if you made a joke about bald guys, you'll find that guys with hair are the ones who say, hey, leave those bald guys alone, okay? They're living in hell. Their lives are miserable and terrible. They haven't had sex for years. So is that virtue signalling going on there, Tim? It is. It's virtue signalling. Oh, and a touch of moral licensing as well. You very rarely find, for example, if you make a joke about disability, as I do because I'm in a wheelchair, I've got multiple sclerosis, that the people who are in wheelchairs with multiple sclerosis laugh. It's only people who are able-bodied who could ever take offence, and mainly because they're worried about the feelings of people in chairs with multiple sclerosis, like we've never made a joke about it. How do you fix that? I don't know how you fix that, because everybody wants to be offended on someone else's behalf, so how do you stop them being offended on someone else's behalf? You really have to rub them up the wrong way harder. There is only one way, the only way out easily offended people is in. All of the young people in this room are ruining their lives by being overly virtuous. That's actually a microaggression to say young people because it carries subconscious bias towards the elderly. Actually, what you're doing is denying agency to the elderly, which is arguably much worse. This, this is what I'm talking about. You see, it's a slippery slope. One minute you're carrying a reusable water bottle fine, and the next minute you're arguing that water is racist. Is water racist? No, no, it's just an example. You can't go through your 20s worrying about every aspect of everything. You have to pick your battles. And just remember that it doesn't really matter, because by the time you hit your 30s, most of you are going to be massively right-wing anyway. Have any of you started to think that maybe poor people don't deserve benefits? No. Well, watch out for that one, because that's how it starts. Crank mail! Oliver Udall! has the last question. Oliver Yuda. Yes! <laughs> this is a simple question. It's not a bad one either. He wants to know, have either of you tried the Aldi $2.69 bottle of wine? No, I haven't, but I hear it's excellent. I have. I know Richard Saunders has. I know uh, Tony Push has. A few people have. I'm, I'm a fan of it. Sure, it's not a great wine, but it is a wine. <laughs> So everyone wants to know how the Doug's going to do another gig. There's nothing at all on the board at the moment, is there? Not at the moment. We're very, very busy. Doug Anthony All-Stars tours are very, very busy too. I think last year we did over 100 flights. Getting on aeroplanes and off aeroplanes, you think, how do you do that? Well, you get on a plane and off a plane once a week and you got more than 100 flights. But we were well over that. It's a very exhausting thing to do. And also, we've got to think of a new joke. I've got something about Buddha crying. Sounds like this. Listen to the voice of Buddha. Otherwise, we're trying to think of something funnier. So if you've got a joke, please send it to the Doug Anthony All-Star. That's it for Crank Mail here on Bunga Bunga 46. Crank Mail! Tim, it's time for You Do the Voiceover. What's in my out bug out bag? 
I'm glad you asked, Tim. It's in fact something you gave me because you've been doing a, a spot of rearranging in your house and you went, hey, Maynard, this is pretty good. How about this watch? in a nice tin and it's a Converse VR12 and it's a very special one. Tell people what it is, Tim. It's a Batman watch. It's from the first Batman with Mr. Hands it's, on it's his hips, angry, angry pants. It's a watch and it fits and it looks very batty. It's black and it's got numbers on it and it illuminates. It does everything except tell the time. I'm Batman. I tried to put a battery in myself and I found that I apparently I don't have optical jeweler's tweezers at home to do do that, Tim. You always have to have. Cost me 20 bucks to get a battery in, and uh, it's not so much a watch as a, a random number generator. A random number generator which only Batman can decipher. I'm Batman. It's 38, 1035, 724, and it's flashing, doing all sorts of things. So it looks good. That's Tim Ferguson giving you a watch for no apparent reason. Everybody at home say, thanks, Tim. When I give away a free watch, it's worth every penny. Your problem is you've been running around with a bad crowd. I've come up with a great idea to make trying to find a park in a busy city a more exciting and interesting thing. Uh-oh. What's going to happen now? In fact, when you find a park, you might not even go into the park as having so much fun looking for a car park, Tim. Oh, for a car park? I thought you meant a thing with trees and birds oh, and no, ponds. Don't, don't give me all that green party kind of stuff that you're continually going on with, Tim. Well, that's true. I should have known. So you're looking for a car park. Well, when you're looking for a park, have either on your phone or in your car playing as a soundtrack the opening chase music from The Spy Who Loved Me with Roger Moore while he's skiing down the mountain and they're shooting at him and he's ducking and weaving. Play that music by Marvin Hamish from the 1977 soundtrack, which has, I've got to say, an obscene amount of cowbell. Just listen to this. Okay, uh, is that one down there? Oh, no, there's a motorbike in there. Oh, 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 it's a disabled one. Uh, oh, hang on, I think I've found one. Oh, it's a driveway. And with that music in the background, the whole thing becomes more exciting. And you're doing it for England. That's Roger's line. That he's leaving her in bed and he's all dressed in his 70s neon ski gear. But James, I need you. So does England. If you were writing it, she, she could under, under her breath go... But James, I need you. So does England. Up you. Well, it's a perfect response. Certainly pops the James Bond balloon. <laughs> Watch that scene. It's on YouTube. We'll put it up as a link, actually, because it is a corker. Speaking of James Bond, you have really put the controversy into the internet. This is all anyone's ever been talking about at work on Twitter, and that is the fact that I did a huge dissertation, a takedown of Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney and Wings from the 1973 movie, I think, the first Roger Moore movie, and it's a ballsy soundtrack. Really got into it because the uh, James Bond radio podcast, have a listen to that. Those guys really go through every James Bond film and just they know their stuff. In fact, they're thinking of putting an album together of just the soundtrack music of James Bond from every movie sneaking up on stuff or stuff sneaking up on him. So it's the sneaky album, James Bond. So it's... From every single film, because there's always one... You 
might be trying to distract us, Maynard, but I get a sense, we haven't talked about this, but no, I get a no, sense of where you're going with it's this. It's the Linda McCartney in the room we were looking at here, and that is the lyrics to Live and Let Die. I don't even know what a split infinitive is or which way up's your adverb. I do know that Roger Moore is a name with two verbs. <laughs> yeah, it's a that, proper noun with you, two verbs. You got me there. I don't yeah. know why you're pointing the microphone at me. <laughs> live and Let Die, the world in which we live in which is grammatically incorrect. I just went to town on that. And then, Tim, you pointed out a mistake I may have made. Yeah, a mistake that we'd all made for a long time. We just all figured that Paul McCartney likes a bit of the chuff. Maybe he just wasn't thinking on the day when he wrote the lyric. But there is a perfectly grammatically acceptable alternative in this ever-changing world in which we're living that's right, L-I-V-I-N apostrophe. There's no G, and that's what it is. Already he's got two ins in it. A sentence with in in it three times really would be carelessness. But if this ever-changing world in which we live in But if this ever-changing world in which we live in I've looked up the lyrics, and the lyrics repeatedly say the world in which we live, space, in, Tim. And you looked those up on what? The internet? Yeah. It was a cat video in the corner of the page. It had to be right. Yeah, it's the world in which we're living. Get over it. Even so, without the G, it's already in awkward grammatic territory. Let's go to Wikipedia about this. All right, folks, here we go. From the Live and Let Die Wikipedia entry, it has a quoting of a Washington Post interview with Paul McCartney from 2003 in which he was actually specifically asked about that. Is it the world in which we live in or the world in which we live in? Paul McCartney said, I don't think about the lyric when I sing it. I think it's in which we're living, comma, or it could be in which we live in. But that's kind of, comma, sort of, comma, wronger before deciding he said it was in which we're living. But there was a lot of kinder, sorta. So can we trust Sir Paul McCartney's actual answer? No wonder John Lennon hated his guts. <laughs> if that's the amount of clarity, and he did have 30 years to think about it, if that's the amount of clarity he brings to this very sensitive grammatical issue, then I don't think we could be friends. So people, Yanni... Laurel, live in or living. But if this ever-changing world in which we live in, but if this ever-changing world in which we live in, you be the judge. Dramatic sting. Bunga Bunga 46 with Tim Ferguson Maynard coming to you from the Madame Frufru Cafe where we do it live. Look, who are these podcasts were complaining that we don't have an audience? We do have an audience. They're just walking past us. It's what we like to call the rotating audience. A new segment on Bunga Bunga. Schrodinger's Cool. The great work of Dr. Schrodinger, in which case when you observe something, the waveform breaks down. What's in the box, Schrodinger? A cat, some poison, and a cesium atom. The cat, is it alive or dead? It's a superposition of both states until you open it and collapse the wave function. Says you. There's also a lot of drugs in there. Well, if you try and work out what's cool, the very fact of trying to work out what's cool makes it uncool. Yeah, it's like if you have to say, hey, 
am I looking cool? Then it's already over. That bus has already taken off. Which is why we also call this segment, You Can't Google Style. Schrodinger's experiment was to put a cat into a box and leave the cat there for 20 years. It was a thought experiment. <laughs> As we speak, Kittler's over at your place, Tim. What do you think's going on? Certainly I like to check him regularly so he doesn't get the Schrodinger treatment. How would you describe the state he's in now? I would call it his busiest sleeping period. That motorcyclist could have been the unemployed screenwriter of Glebe getting past there. Do you think he's working on a Schrodinger-based screenplay? Definitely. And the characters in it are people that he's met and they're experiencing situations that he's experienced, which is why it'll never be good. It'll never get made and why he won't let anybody tell him it's too long and it makes no sense. Because whatever you do, only write about what you know and under no circumstances attempt at any time to write about something that you haven't experienced personally. Yes, George Lucas did grow up on a far and distant planet. But he had the best moisture farm. Oh, he had the best moisture farm. And he did have his own robots. Met up with Alec Guinness, who was a member of a bizarre religious cult. All of that happened to him, so he's able to write about that. In the meantime, writing about your difficulties as a screenwriter in Glebe is of no interest. Wake up, monkeys. Raise the chain! But back to Schrodinger's cool, otherwise known as you can't Google style. I've tried to find out why Kanye West is considered cool, and it's obvious. Everyone thinks he's cool. I've pinned it down to this one fact. Don't always see him smiling in photos. And when asked in 2015 why he's not big on smiling in photos, he doesn't smile mainly because he likes the look of the 1800s art realism movement. Tim, I don't know a thing about art. I don't even know what I like. What would you describe that look as being, the 1800s art realism movement? It's a portrait, goddammit, can you? Of course they're not smiling. A smiling portrait? That's for Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine, but nobody else smiles in their portrait apart from Mona Lisa, and look how that worked out for her. Not very well. Schrodinger's cool. Get that cat out of here. The driving cat, the cat who could drive a car. He drives around all over the town. Tunes the driving cat. Tunes the cat who could drive a car. How you going, man? Good, yeah, good to see you. You're just doing a personal meet and greet there, Tim. Yes, getting patted on the arm by people walking past in Glebe. Always beautiful people. It's only because they think you're a golden retriever. Excuse me, sir. This is Tim Ferguson. I'm Maynard there. We just noticed you're wearing the great Star Wars T-shirt. How did you feel about the latest Star Wars film? I haven't seen it yet, so I need a special moment to go and watch it. The new Solo film? Nobody leaves Star Wars. I mean, once you're in it, you're in it forever. Even episodes one, two, and three, I had to watch again and again and again just to be faithful to Star Wars. You can't pick your galaxies, people. Why are you a little bit slow to go see the Star Wars film these days? You've got to be in the right mood, hey? Oh, absolutely. I think you need good friends, good people to talk about it. The last thing you want to do is see a Star Wars film by yourself at this age. One more question. You may go on with your life, sir. Did Greedo shoot first? I think he definitely blocked first. I'll say that much. Hey, great to meet you. <laughs> Love that T-shirt. Did Greedo shoot first? No, of course he did not. 
That was just George Lucas listening to some screenwriter who said Greedo was hurting their feelings. Han Solo shot the guy. <laughs> Didn't he re-edit it to change it retrospectively? Yeah, he edited it. Nobody quite knows why. It's like saying, oh, we're going to do without the Death Star blowing up, simply because over 80,000 stormtroopers and their parents and families were killed. Come on! Of course, Lucas missed the opportunity of the original version that Darth Vader's theme should have been performed as on the tin whistle. John Williams, any way you can take it. It's time for Tim's Historical Hypothetical, where we put Tim at a place in history and a time in history and ask him, so, what would you have done, smartass? Well, there's only one year that you know I will not discuss. Tim, the year is... 1855. Come on! The place, Toronto, Canada. Yeah, I know what this is. Oh, man. You are down in Bunga Bunga Laura saying that nothing interesting ever happens in Canada. I found a list of eight things have happened in Canada that aren't boring. Eight. Eight things. Well, I did flick through the first seven. But number eight is the Toronto Circus Riot of 1855. Tim, in the summer of 1855, Toronto was a bit of a wild place. So when the American S.B. Howe's Star Troop Menagerie and Circus came to town, its performers did pretty well. But after one performance, all the circus clowns decided what you would normally do after a show, and they'd go to a well-known brothel wasn't a great place to pick because that was also the brothel that the hook and ladder firefighting company had started a fight with a whole bunch of other firemen and caused a riot that was known as the toronto fireman riot of 1855 which is why 1855 is a touchy topic details are sketchy on what set off the clown incident but the clowns were thrashing the firemen ensuring that they could get the brothel to themselves for the night so the clowns beat up the firemen problem is you don't start a fight with clowns in Toronto because you just don't know how many are in the car. Tim, what would you possibly have done to stop the clown riot? When you pitch clowns against firefighters, the clowns are going to win every time. If they're going to go in the biff, they've got their big gloves. If they're going to go in the kick, they've got their big boots. And if they run out of things to throw at you, they've always got their nose. Don't screw with clowns. There's a reason why people are scared of clowns. That's because they are one of the most dangerous groups of people on the planet. Firefighters. Oh no, I can only fight against fire. Wimps. Firemen never have to face down the incredible evil of audience disdain. They don't have to, and audience disdain is something that you and I, Maynard, are intimately aware of. Sure, they might have buildings fall on them, they might have people chuck rocks at them, but have firemen ever been booed after they've put out a fire? That's never happened. It wasn't that big. It was actually quite a small fire. They never copped that. <laughs> Bastard. He's tough, that kid. There's I mean, no need for that. There's no need for that. That kid has been in some of the most awkward positions. The downfall of Berlin, as the city was falling, there was this kid, Hitler ranting. The kid is completely insensitive. Children, don't have them. He picked his moment. Yeah, he's a bad kid. People who say that they love kids obviously can't remember being one. 
Being a kid is just a series of disappointments. What do you mean I can't drive? What do you mean I have to get an ice cream off you? What do you mean I can't just have a pony? This is just a rip-off. This is all bullshit. Get this clown right to stop. You're dealing with people who are clowns, who are alcoholic runaways from their worldly responsibilities. <laughs> you don't want to get between them and a lunch. Tim's historical hypothetical, solving a problem that no one needed to solve. Yeah, well, if you bring up 1855 again, <laughs> there's going to be words. Behind us, it's not Hillary Clinton driving it today. It's the Lidcombe ice truck. I had a look earlier, Tim, and I was really disappointed. It's just frozen water. It's just a water truck that's been in Blaney. It was was, was methamphetamine delivery. And a big shout-out to the people of Blaney. Because they're on the pipe right now. It's so bloody cold there. You need to speed your way through winter. Blaney's been undergoing a warm snap. I saw a photograph someone from Blaney sent me, because I'm a Blaney boy, of cattle in a paddock in the snow. And they just look like the most miserable creatures on earth. We used to have cattle and... It never occurred to us to do what the Canadians do, which is put them into a heated shed. Life, if you're a cow, is crap if you live in Blaney. Sorry about that. Boy, we've been everywhere on today's show. It's been a metaphorical journey through... Fuck knows. But right now, Tim Ferguson's right of reply. If we can just coax Tim out of his shell to give us Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. Come on, Tim. Come on. There's a biscuit in it for you. If you haven't seen the latest Avengers film, Avengers the Infinity, then you're completely out of touch. There is a character called Thanos, who is the supposed bad guy in the film. Thanos is trying to seek dominion over the universe, and spoiler alert, he wins. All he wants to do is fulfill the Greens environmental policy which is to kill 50% of the world's population. The simple fact is, it's at the core of every green argument. Once you boil it down, what they really want to say is, we just need fewer people. Too many people are breeding, too many people are eating, too many people are breeding cows, too many people are eating things that grow but aren't organic. Get your head around that one. The only way to fix the planet's problems is to get rid of half of the people. So Thanos is a galactic green. I worked that out halfway through and I stopped being on Thanos's side. The Skeptocrat show that you heard earlier, they actually had an alternative solution for this. Uh, Lord Thanos? Enter. Who are you? I'm Alan. I'm new, like, you know, because everybody else is, you know, dead. Right, right. Hello, Alan. Hi. Uh, so me and the guys were thinking about your plan for the for the glove thing. It's a uh, gauntlet. It's, it's a gauntlet. Right. Alan. No. Right. Right. So so this this gauntlet it gives you the power to do anything, right? Yes, anything. Okay. And so you and you used it to kill half of the universe because the universe is finite, Alan. Living things take more than they give back. I had no choice. We were thinking, what if instead of killing half the universe, you just you know, just doubled up everything else, you just make the universe twice as big? Uh. You wouldn't have to, uh. Wow. Or, or hell, four times as big, so there's, there's even more extra stuff. Alan, you just blew my fucking mind. I, I gotta admit, I feel 
I feel stupid right now. Yeah, if the glove was that powerful, Tim, why didn't you just do something about the productivity of the planet? It does all fall over. It's like the eagles in Lord of the Rings. They could have picked up Frodo. They could have, and then one morning, dropped the ring into the crack of doom. Bad guys are all gone and problem is fixed. Or like the eagles in Hotel California. It just seems to go on a lot longer than it needs to. I've got nothing against Green's voters, but if I find anything, I will use it. In the meantime, pick a government, not a whinging troop. Tim Ferguson's right reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. What is going on here? I've got to take a photo of this. This is Sleepy Glebe. Let's just see how much stuff we can get in here. We've got two 431 buses, a fire engine, three trucks, two taxis, and a kid on a bike looking really confused. And oh my God, there's a circus clown. What is going on? There was a moment where, in this quiet and leafy suburb, something was happening, but it's over. It took 20 seconds, but we'll have to wait another year before something as exciting as that particular minor crisis occurred. Normality has returned. There goes a powder blue Fiat Bambino 500. Although people are still looking righteously angry that their 30 seconds has been taken up by being in a stop sign. You people with licences. That's a wrap for Bunga Bunga 46, Tim. Will we end on questionable grammar? We'll finish on a song with questionable taste. That's even better. Bunga Bunga! I've been Maynard. And I've been Tim Ferguson here on Bunga Bunga. Bunga. When you were young and your heart was an open book Oh, you used to say, live and let me But if this ever-changing world in which we live in Makes you give it a cry Say live and let die What does Bunga Bunga mean? Oh, oh, you show me your diagram? On maynard.com.au. Au! Bryson and Hugh. Everything digital.